Amen. Well, welcome and not the way we would want to be together on a, a Good Friday or an Easter weekend, but I'm thankful just for the technology that we can be together and we can consider, we can remember the cross and the purpose of the cross. I'm going to ask you to take your Bibles, if you would, and find your way to Luke chapter 22 as we will be reading in this passage of Scripture. It's Good Friday, and what I want you to consider, and this is going to be a passage where Jesus and his disciples were in the upper room, what that must have been like on that night. It was the night that Jesus was going to be betrayed. It would have been dark as the sun was setting, and there would have been candles, And there was the weight. Jesus had talked about the fact that he was going to go to Jerusalem, that he was going to be beaten, that he was going to be betrayed, and that he would die, but then on the third day he would be raised. But this right now is the moment. In fact, if you were to take a funnel, all of history would end up in this place, this place in time. So I want to read, if you would, in fact, let's start in verse 7 in Luke chapter 22. It says, Then came the day of unleavened bread, on which the Passover lamb had to be sacrificed. So Jesus sent Peter and John, saying, Go and prepare the Passover for us, that we may eat it. They said to him, Where will you have us prepare it? And he said to them, Behold, when you have entered the city, a man carrying a jar of water will meet you. Now, that would have been unusual in and of itself, as the men didn't carry jars of water. Follow him into the house that he enters, and tell the master of the house. The teacher says to you, where is the guest room where I may eat the Passover with my disciples? And he will show you a large upper room, furnished. Prepare it there. And they went and found it, just as he had told them, and they prepared the Passover Verse 14, and when the, hour ha- when the hour came, this would have been at sundown, he reclined at table and the apostles with him. And he said to them, I have earnestly desired to eat this Passover with you before I suffer. For I tell you, I will not eat it until it is fulfilled in the kingdom of God. And he took a cup and when he gave thanks, he said, take this and divide it among yourselves. For I tell you that from now on, I will not drink of the fruit of the vine until the kingdom of God comes. And he took bread, and when he had given thanks, he broke it and gave it to them, saying, This is my body, which is given for you. Do this in remembrance of me. And likewise, the cup after they had eaten, saying, This cup that is poured out for you is the new covenant in my blood. But behold, the hand of him who betrays me is with me on the table. For the Son of Man goes as it has been determined, but woe to the man by whom he is betrayed. And they began to question one another, which of them it could be who is going to do this. This was that fatal night. It was a night in which was the fulfillment of all that God had foretold. This was a time when the sacrifice was for sin would be made. Once and for all, Jesus, the Lamb of God, the perfect spotless Lamb of God, would lay his life down on the cross as an atoning sacrifice. Jesus would place himself on a sinner's cross. The question becomes, why? Why would he do that? 
Well, so much of that we can see in the Lord's Supper, in the communion. And so first what I want to do is I want to talk about the importance of the cross, the purpose of the cross. Here's the first. The cross is a place of justice. It's a place of justice. The cross satisfies God's requirement for justice. A penalty had to be paid for sins. God is a holy God. And we each have sinned. We've all sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. And because God is a just God, sins must be atoned for. Our sins must be paid for. In fact, Romans, Romans 3.25 says this. It says that, that God sent Jesus to bear his wrath to satisfy God's requirement for justice. In fact, in the following verse in Romans 3, 26, it says that God put forth Jesus as the ultimate sacrifice to show his righteousness at the present time so that he might be just and the justifier of the one who has faith in Jesus. When we put our faith in Jesus, it is God who makes us just because he is the justifier. The cross is a place of justice, but not only is the cross a place of justice, but the cross is a place of love. It is a place of the greatest act of love ever known to mankind. In fact, we learn that from John three sixteen. For God so loved the world, what? That he gave his son. He gave his only begotten son. That whoever should believe in him should not perish, but have eternal life. God, in the most incredible display of love ever known to man, sent his son, Jesus. God became a man. He took on human flesh. And he went to the cross in our place. The Lamb of God in our place. His blood poured out. The one who knew no sin became sin for us. Listen, when you truly understand this night and the fact that Jesus would willingly go to the cross, it should forever change your relationship with him because of what he did. This was an incredible act of love and instead of receiving God's wrath we received mercy justice and mercy meet at the cross it's an amazing thing I never get over that God's justice but God's mercy they meet together at the cross the cross is a place of justice the cross is a place of love third the cross is a place of mercy and grace it is a place of mercy and grace God did not have to save anyone that's the thing that we all so often say is like, why would God allow a, a person to die? Why would a holy God allow anybody to live? God, the, the cross is a place of mercy and grace. See, in God's mercy, he gave us a grace gift. Peter puts it very succinctly in 2 Peter 2, 4, where he says, God did not spare angels when they sinned but he cast them into hell and committed them to chains of gloomy darkness to be kept until the judgment that could have been us god could have chosen just to leave us in our sins to cast us into hell awaiting his wrath awaiting his justice listen the cross is a place of grace and mercy and without god's atoning work on the cross without jesus's atoning work we would be left hoping that we could do enough good to satisfy God's need for justice. But the fact is, we can't do enough good. We need somebody outside us to stand in our place. 
The cross is a place of justice. It's a place of love. It's a place of mercy and grace. And then fourth, the cross is a place of suffering. Christ was without sin. God took on flesh. He became a man. He was fully God and fully man. And he suffered as we suffer. He suffered to pay the penalty for our sins. He suffered in our place. He suffered the physical pain of beatings and death. We get the word excruciating from the word cross. Out of the cross, excruciating. Not only did he suffer the pain of phys- the physical pain of beatings, but he suffered the pain of bearing the guilt for our sin. The guilt we should feel God took from us through his son. He also suffered the pain of abandonment. That's why he cried out, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? In fact, in that moment, he was pointing the the, the Jews back to Psalm 22, which wasn't known as Psalm 22 back in the first century. It was just known as the psalm called, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Psalm 22 speaks of that. And it's it's one of those messianic psalms that speaks of the, the suffering of the Messiah. It even speaks about the crucifixion. 700 years before the Persians even invented crucifixion. Jesus was saying, I am the fulfillment of all of these prophecies. And I am going to bear God's wrath. I am at this point suffering the pain of abandonment. But not only that, he he suffered the pain of bearing God's wrath through the cross. He took our place on the cross. In fact, I think about this a lot. We were saved from God's wrath by God's wrath. See, God poured the wrath that we deserved, not out on us, but on his son, Jesus. So we didn't have to go through that. In fact, Isaiah 53.10 says, yeah, it was for the will. It was the will of the Lord to crush him. The cross is a place of justice. It's a place of love. It's a place of grace and mercy. It's a place of suffering. And finally, it's a place of satisfaction. God was satisfied with Jesus as the atoning sacrifice. And because of his suffering on the cross, the penalty for our sin has been, suffer- has been satisfied, and we don't have to suffer eternally. Thank God for that. When Jesus cried out on the cross, it is finished. What he was saying was he had accomplished the Father's will, that he had paid for the penalty of our sins in full. That is why Romans 8.1 says this, and I'll put it on the screen. There is therefore now no condemnation to those that are in Christ Jesus. The fact is we have been each judged guilty of sin. And now all that's left is the penalty phase. And here the gavel pound saying life in prison yet because of what jesus did on the cross he satisfied god's requirement for justice and so because of that even though we've been judged guilty there is therefore now no condemnation to those that are in christ jesus now let me ask you this are you in christ jesus has there been a time where you've turned from your sin and turned to jesus as your only hope for eternal life Have you confessed that Jesus is Lord? 
Romans 10.9 says, If we confess with our mouth that Jesus is Lord and believe in our heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. Listen, if there's never been a time, that means that you are still in your sins and you are facing God's wrath. It is this moment in history where God made a satisfaction for your sins so you could have eternal life. It was in the context of the cross. It was in the shadow of the cross that Jesus invited his disciples to the table. It was a heavy night. And for Jesus, it just got heavier and heavier. He invited his disciples to the table. He knew what was awaiting him, and he wanted his disciples to mark this moment because in a matter of hours, he would be arrested, he would be beaten, He would be mocked. He would be spit upon. He would have a crown of thorns crushed upon his head. He would be scourged and nailed to a sinner's cross. He's going to end the Passover and initiate the first communion. So he says in verse 14, And when the hour came, his appointed time, he reclined at table and the apostles with him. Now, when it says he reclined at the table, they didn't have chairs. They, it was a low table and they would, they would lean on, a, uh, on an elbow and, and, and eat next to each other. I'm certainly glad we have chairs today, aren't you? I wouldn't do so good reclining on the floor eating. But verse 15 says, and he said to them, I have earnestly desired to eat this Passover with you before I suffer. He knew it was coming. This was his final meal with them. I have earnestly desired. This is in the emphatic. His motions were overwhelming. Death was imminent. This would be his last meal with his disciples. This was a monumental moment. In fact, I love what R.C. Sproul says about this passage in this moment. He says this. I'll put it on the screen. He says, in a sense, what Christ said is that, quote, I know that I've been your teacher for three years. I've done many things, some of which you're going to forget. But whatever else, please don't forget this, because what you're going to experience in the next 24 hours is the most important thing that I will ever do for you. That's true for us. He's not just saying that for the disciples. It's for us. Don't ever forget it. You are remembering me. You are remembering my death, the pouring out of my blood, the breaking of my body, which will occur on the morrow. Please don't ever forget it. And so, for 2,000 years, the church has remembered the death of Christ in this sacred sacred memorial of the Lord's Supper. Every time we take the Lord's Supper together, it it is a holy moment. It is a monumental moment because we are remembering back to what Christ has done for us. This represents the end of the law, or at least of the ceremonial law, the sacrificial laws, the dietary laws. And it points to the church that no longer meets on Saturday, but now it will, uh, it will meet on the Lord's Day, the day of resurrection. But before they get there, he starts with the elements. But first, look at verse 16. He says, for I tell you, I will not eat it until it is fulfilled in the kingdom of God. And then he took a cup. And when he had given thanks, he said, take this. 
and divide it among yourselves. And I can imagine the disciples, and just think if you were in that upper room. It wasn't a room that they owned. In fact, during the first century, there were, there were many that had these extra rooms that they would rent out during the different feasts so that people could have their feasts together there. And certainly Jesus must have set this up in advance. It would be kind of like an Airbnb for a, a room where they could celebrate. And, and, and he's already said, he said, I want to eat this Passover meal with you before I suffer. And then he takes his cup and he says, divide this among you. We're going to be drinking this together. He says, For I tell you that from now on I will not drink the fruit of the vine until the kingdom of God comes. And then he starts with the elements. And the first element he starts with is the bread. He says, He took bread, and when he had given thanks, he broke it and gave it to them, saying, This is my body which is given for you. Do this in remembrance of of me, the bread. It's the bread of affliction. It's a symbol of Christ's body which would be broken on the cross. It is not his body, but it, it, it represents his body. The, 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 the apostles would have known that. But notice what it says, which is given for you. It's a picture of a substitute. It's given for you in your place. Speaks of substitutionary death. You escape death by a substitute. In fact, through the centuries, millions of innocent lambs were sacrificed. Their blood was shed, uh, foreshadowing the Lamb of God who would be slain. This is that moment in time. But then he goes from the bread to the cup. It would likely be the third of the four Passover cups. Notice what it says in verse 20. He says, and likewise, the cup, after they had eaten, when he says likewise, he took the cup, saying, this cup that is poured out for you is the new covenant in my blood. He was foretelling that his blood would be poured out for you. So every time we drink of that cup, we are, we are remembering, we are being reminded that Jesus' blood was shed so that we could be made white as snow, because his shed blood covers our sins as far as from east is from west. This cup is poured out for you, for you is the new covenant in my blood. It's the covenant of forgiveness and salvation. It's the covenant by which God forgives sinners and he is ratified and it's ratified in the death of Christ. The new covenant's the only covenant that saves. In fact, it's a covenant that, that Jeremiah foretold. In fact, in Jeremiah chapter 31, 31, he speaks about the fact that I am, I am uh, he says, behold, the days are coming, declares the Lord. I will make a new covenant with the house of Israel and the house of Judah. It was speaking towards uh, 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 700 years or 500 years in the future. When Jesus would, into this moment in time where Jesus would make a new covenant with the church. He says, not like the covenant that I made with their fathers on the day when I took them by the hand to bring them out of the land of Egypt. He says, my covenants that they broke, though I was their husband, declares the Lord. And then in verse 33, he says this. I'll put it on the screen. For this is the covenant that I will make with the house of Israel after those days, declares the Lord. 
I will put my law within them. I will write them on their hearts. And I will be their God, and they shall be my people. And no longer shall each one teach his neighbor and each his brother, saying, Know the Lord, for they shall all know me from the least of them to the greatest, declares the Lord. And then this, For I will forgive their iniquity, and I will remember their sin no more. Jeremiah was looking forward into the future under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit, speaking about this night, the cup. When the blood would be shed, the cup of the new covenant, when we would have our sins atoned for. Now, the shedding of Jesus' blood, which is represented in the cup, satisfies God's wrath. So Jesus invites his disciples to this meal. The last Passover, the first communion. He invites them so that they would remember. They would remember what they were going to do. And he invites us to the table so that we would remember these truths. And he says, each time you do this, do it in remembrance of me. Now I'm going to have you turn in your Bibles to 1 Corinthians chapter 11. Because what I want to do is recount Paul's words in 1 Corinthians chapter 11. If you're, you're in Luke, just go to John and then keep going from John to, uh, to Acts and then to Romans and then to 1 Corinthians. Now Paul is instructing the church in Corinth on the importance of the Lord's Supper. Look at verse 23. He says, For I received from the Lord what I also delivered to you. Paul received these instructions from the Lord. And this supper now that he institute, it looks back to what Christ has done. When Christ in Luke 22 was, was giving it to his disciples, he was looking forward. He was looking back to the, to the Passover, but he was looking forward to what was going to happen in the next couple hours. And so in, in 1 Corinthians chapter 11... He looks back to what Christ did on the cross. The same as as with the Passover. When a child would ask at a Passover meal, he would ask his father, why are we doing this? Why do we do this every year? Then the father would sit him down and he would recount the story of the Exodus from Exodus chapter 11 and 12 and 13. When God delivered the nation of Israel out of bondage. How he had them take a lamb, a spotless lamb, and they would, they, would, they would cut the lamb and they would take the blood and they would put it on the lentils of the doorposts. And then the son would say, why did you do that? And he would say, because we were slaves in Egypt and God sent his angel and he provided a way for us not to, 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 to uh, he, he provided us a way of escape. The death angel would pass over those that were under the blood. And that's what, that was a picture of what would happen for us when Jesus' blood was shed on the cross. The death angel would pass over us. That's why we, so important to be under the blood of Jesus. Jesus' blood on the cross does that for us today. We were slaves, but yet we were redeemed by the blood of the Lamb. So like the, 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 so like the, um, uh, the Passover would look back, 
and the, and, and, and the uh, Lord's Supper looks back to what Jesus has done for us. But now I want you to look at verse 26. He says this. He says, For often as you eat of this bread and drink the cup, you proclaim the Lord's death until he comes. But then he says this in verse 27. Whoever therefore eats the bread or drinks the cup uh, of the Lord in an unworthy manner will be guilty concerning the body and blood of the Lord. He says, let a person examine himself then and so eat of the bread and drink of the cup. What is he doing here? He's saying, do not eat the Lord's Supper in an unworthy manner. He's saying, don't eat it with unconfessed sin. He's saying, you need to come to the table having dealt with your sin because otherwise you'll be, you'll be eating it in an unworthy manner. Jesus died for your sins. Don't continue in your sins. So it's a time to confess our sins, to examine ourselves, to do an inventory, if you will. So let me ask you, what are your unconfessed sins? I want to put a, a chart up on the screen just some different sins, and this is certainly not exhaustive, but, but some of the sins that you might be holding on to. And as I go through this list, I'm just going to ask you, because we're getting ready to take the elements. I don't want you to take the elements in an unworthy manner, thus profaning the blood and body of Christ. But are you struggling with anger or bitterness, pride, greed, fear, unforgiveness, dishonesty, coveting, immorality, disrespect, Criticalness, addictions, jealousy, impatience, idolatry, lust, rebellion, self-centeredness. If you are, confess it right now. Confess it to the Lord. And I'm going to have our worship team come up here. And I just want you to right now bow your heads. And just take a moment to confess those sins as we get ready to take these elements. We're taking these elements as a remembrance of what Christ did on the cross for us. His body broken. His blood shed. That night, 2,000 years ago, it was a holy night. It was a painful night. But it was a night to remember. Jesus wants us to remember. And that's why we celebrate Good Friday. Or that's why we at least acknowledge Good Friday. Now I'm going to go back to the text in 1 Corinthians chapter 11. Paul says this, For I have received from the Lord what I also delivered to you, that the Lord Jesus on the night when he was betrayed, he took bread, and when he had given thanks, he broke it and said, This is my body, which is for you. Do this in remembrance of me. In the same way, also he took the cup after supper, saying, This cup is the new covenant in my blood. Do this as often as you drink of it in remembrance of me. He says, For as often as you eat this bread and drink this cup, you proclaim the Lord's death until he comes. The Passover looked back to the deliverance of God's people from Egypt. The Lord's Supper causes us to look back to Jesus' sacrificial death on the cross, but it also causes us to look forward 
to Jesus' imminent return. Are you ready? It was on that night, just hours later, that Jesus was arrested. He was taken into custody. He was mocked. He was beaten. Illegally tried. Whipped. Crucified. Laid in a borrowed tomb. The tomb was sealed. Jesus has said to the disciples, I've earnestly desired to take this meal with you. I want you to remember. I want you to remember what I did for you. But he also reminded them that he would return. That's our hope. Father, I thank you. I thank you for the cross of Jesus Christ, a place of justice. I thank you for the fact that it is a place of love a place of grace and mercy. It was a place of suffering so we didn't have to suffer. And it's a place of satisfaction. Father, we thank you for Jesus Christ. Oh, what a Savior he is. Father, we love you. It's in Jesus' name I pray.